You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Merry Christmas! What is this? your pixie out of your pockets neverlanders uh, sprinkle some of that pixie dust around think of that happiest christmasy thought and let's fly away to neverland and of course you're coming with me i'm head lost boy around here i'm jeremy but you can call me the spider pan because all us lost boys have to have a nickname and if you haven't set yourself up as a lost boy or a pixie because girls are too clever to get lost then come to the neverland podcast website neverlandpodcast.com Look for the tab that says Navalanders, and you can become an official pixie. Just choose a nickname, send me a quick message on there, and you're in. Something else fun that you can do is become a Patreon supporter of the show. For just a dollar a month, you get to hear these shows commercial-free. No ads will run like you've probably heard at the opening of the show. And another thing I've done now is there is a tier for a $5 per month level. This, of course, I'm calling the pixie dust providers level these are people i'm going to announce at the end of every show and thank them or maybe at the beginning of the show i haven't decided yet but i'm going to announce basically anyone who's at this level as an official pixie dust provider also they got to already hear the interview that we have today completely unedited i released it already early sunday morning and that, of course, is with Terry J. Wheeland Jr. He's got a fantastic new book that is on its way out that you can pre-order, get a signed copy. It is going to be a hoot to talk to him. Uh, you, you'll get to hear that later. We had a grand time. Lost Boy Eric was able to join me on that conversation. It's an exciting book. He got to interview a lot of different people, and he's basically telling us what the magic means to different people and how everyone has a good Disney story that somehow has affected their life, and he's going to encourage you to tell your Disney story. Uh, but we're going to hear all about that later. Uh, before we get to that, though, there was a new Spider-Man movie that came out, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I took a moment to go out and check out that movie, so I do have a review for you coming up very soon. I should probably visit the trailer park, because I've been very interested in the, this trailer I've been seeing for this movie called The Kid Who Would Be King, and it looks like a lot of fun. It's something that's a King Arthur with kids, but uh, I don't know that I have time to really dive into it, because we have a great conversation coming, and there are a few things I want to get to, and just a little bit of news that I do want to mention. But before we get there, uh, I want to remind you that over at facebook.com slash Disney Inspires, you can vote for the Neverland Podcast. They have a pinned post. It's a picture. has all the different podcasts. You go in there and you'll see that people have been writing down with their favorite podcast. And you, yes, you can vote more than once. But go in there and I would very much appreciate that you go and write the Neverland Podcast down. Put it in there. 
do it more than once. Keep doing it. Keep going, you know, and keep voting for the Neverland podcast. They're having just a, it's, they're, they're calling it the Disney inspired top podcast of 2018. And we are in the running. I would really like to be able to go through and uh, be, r- at least rank really high. If we don't win this thing, that's okay. Cause I know I'm not the biggest show in the world, but if you do love us, then I do recommend you come and give us a vote. And also they are looking at uh, reviews that we get on iTunes. So if you haven't done it already, please go to iTunes, leave us a nice five star score rating and you know, tell us what you think about the show. I really appreciate getting those reviews anyway, cause I like hearing back from you. Uh, so please do that. I would definitely appreciate it. Uh, and speaking of hearing back from some people, uh, we got a little bit of a conversation on Twitter. I'd like to share. So many of you probably did see, I shared a video I found on YouTube uh, that offered some interesting critique on where maybe things have gone wrong with the current Star Wars trilogy and with the character of Rey maybe not being the character that she should be. And uh, I shared this video. Uh, you can find it on our Twitter feed. It's, uh, it's called Rey and the Sad Dev- Devolution of the Female Character. And uh, I, I put, asked the question, has Rey fallen short? And this may be why Wonder Woman worked and Rey is not revered, like maybe she would be. And we had some response on some Twitter, some interesting conversation. I uh, heard from a guy named Handsome Dan. And Handsome Dan says, a female character tomorrow will succeed as long as it is good. We need to quit pretending this is a fight for equality. It's a fight for quality. That's it. And I, I can't agree more. I mean, that's right. We, we don't care if a character's female, male, whatever just make a quality character that we care about that character and stop trying to shoehorn a character into something because you feel that you need certain type of characters. I mean, it's it's not about the character type. It's about the character themselves. We have to love them. Uh, and Sarah came along there. And now Sarah Knightley, we're familiar with her. Uh, she actually won some books from us. We need to have her on the show and tell us what she thought about these books, uh, some Star Wars books and everything. But uh, Sarah Knightley says, exactly. Uh, she's, of course, replying with, with, uh, with Handsome Dan. Uh, she says, exactly. I also don't like the trend of making female characters less female, especially in the NCU. The men definitely look like men. Why do women have to be completely covered in those ugly suits all the time? <laughs> Which, yeah, I guess, I don't, are they are the suits really that bad in the MCU? <laughs> but I thought that was interesting. Uh, she also said, Jin Erso is my favorite Star Wars character. Not because she's female, but because she's completely believable and a true hero in the end. I don't understand how they got her so right, then just completely missed the mark on Rey. Uh, so it was nice getting some nice feedback on that. And you know, the video did raise the point where... Ray has seems you know she, she's been called Mary Sue. Everything she needs to be able to do, she just can do. She never seems to have to learn how to do things with the Force or how to properly wield a lightsaber before she can defeat Kylo Ren, who's supposed to have been training his entire life. Uh, and we felt like she's more pulled along by the story than doing things because of who she is. Uh, like Luke, when he makes decisions to go to save his friends in Empire Strikes Back and to leave his training. It's because of who he is. It's who we've understood him to be that he goes to do that. So it's he's his path is guided by who he is as a character, not so much being pulled along by what the story is and by what 
the creators of the character are wanting her to be, where they they want a strong female character, they they shoehorned her in one instead of developing her as a character where we'd like. And the video that I shared even uh, takes a look at Ripley from the Alien series, who does things based upon the fact of who she is as a character, and she's an iconic female action hero, really. Uh, and against unsurmountable odds of these horrible alien monsters, you know? So it really sets the example. It's like, this is what you gotta do. You gotta create a great character. So it was very interesting. So I'm glad to hear from everybody who uh, who commented on that. And it was kind of interesting. You know, it was, it was nice to hear from everybody. So, but moving right along, something else important that we need to get into uh, is something that really, I guess, I need to dive into some news. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. There's some posters that Marvel has been releasing, and one of them says, Who brought the amazing Spider-Man back after Spider-Man No More? Uh, Spider-Man No More being the story where Peter Parker quits being Spider-Man a long time ago. There's also a poster that says, Who found Captain America on ice before the Avengers? And they keep putting on there, it says, Marvel history is destroyed March 2019. That's a big Marvel event. And there's even another poster that says, who really gave the Fantastic Four their powers? So what this is, is Marvel apparently, once again, having a large event where they're going to wreck their universe, alter everything, retcon some things, and destroy all of their history just to sell a few more comics. Now, I don't feel like being suckered in with this stuff anymore. Uh, they they wreck their stuff because you know it's it sells. When they threaten to do this stuff, it's big publicity. We kind of freak out. We go get it. But I, I'm I'm personally I'm really tired of them wrecking the whole thing every time that they want to make a buck. I mean I, I like having some big event things, but does every time it has to go and they got a retcon and change Marvel history? I uh, you know so I'm I got a bad feeling about this is what I when I shared this article on Twitter I'm not exactly uh, thrilled with this, but something that is very very cool uh, and they've had some fun with this on the D23 and also the Disney Parks blog as if Tony Stark has sent out a call as uh, it's a global Avengers initiative. Basically what this is, like Hong Kong Disneyland and in Paris and in the parks here in the States, talking about some of the new Avengers-related experiences coming, including the Iron Man experience beginning in March 2019, where, of course, you know, we've been hearing about that in Hong Kong Disneyland. And, oh, actually, apparently this has already started and you're fighting Hydra. But in March 2019, uh, Ant-Man and Wasp are going to fight against Armin Zola and his army of evil Hydra swarm bots in a new interactive attraction called Ant-Man and the Wasp Nano Battle. So that's all, of course, I guess, in Hong Kong. I don't know that that's coming in, over here to the States, but Disney California Adventure are going to be, you know, you've already got Guardians of the Galaxy going on there in the, in the Mission Breakout, but Disney California Adventure and Disneyland Paris were, is also about to have something new with Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and also get to experience something of the latest in pin technology with Ant-Man and the Wasp 
and apparently Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Captain America are all going to be popping in at a moment's notice. So something big is coming, and this probably has something to do with that new Marvel expansion. Uh, The D23 website actually had some interesting photos of this Ant-Man and the Wasp experience and some of the buildings of what Marvel Land is going to look like, uh, some concept art, which is actually a really, really neat looking. Uh, So uh, very exciting to find out about that. Uh, Also this week we did hear that Pixar's next film is called Onward. That's all we know. Chris Pratt and Tom Holland are the lead characters, are voicing, of course, the characters in this Pixar movie. Don't know anything about this. I haven't got a clue. I don't know what this is about or anything, but it's called Onward. Uh, I did also see something just this morning about an accident during the Christmas Fantasy Parade uh, and a Santa was thrown from the float. Uh, thing is, I lost track of the article, but uh, I'm hoping everybody was okay. Uh, I don't want to dwell on a you know, bad accident for too long, and I've got so much more fun stuff to do. So uh, I just want to at least mention that it did happen. I hope everybody's okay. I really didn't get a chance to explore this topic, but I felt it was important to mention it. But I do want to get straight into a movie review. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Hey, a movie! Yeah, we're gonna be a movie! Starring everybody and me! Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time! Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken! Oh, good! So, this Friday was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse an animated film from Sony Pictures Animation. Uh, Now, I don't know that I've seen a whole lot from Sony's animation. Uh, They did do that Peanuts movie, and it had a slightly choppy style of animation, but it seemed to fit because it almost seemed to match some of the older animation. And so it made sense. Uh, This time around, now Sony has definitely got a certain style to this film, and they even have a little bit of lining and stuff like that to where it looks like they're trying to make a living comic book. Uh, and so I guess maybe that's their reason for having some choppy animation. I've had some people suggest that, well, maybe this is because of the new, new animation. They're trying to get used to it. But, uh, I mean, really animating things sometimes is, you know, having a point to a point and then making something move between those two points when you program it. Uh, I mean, it's similar to like what After Effects you would do. You know, you have an anchor point. And you move the anchor point, and then at this frame, you want it to be over here. And so there's no reason for it to not be smooth on the computer, unless you're doing it on purpose to make it choppy. In fact, I got so used, though, to this choppy animation that at points of the movie, the camera movement would be smooth, or something would move smoothly. And that, to me, was jarring now, because I got so used to everything being so choppy. And there were times in the colorization of this, and things would slightly blur or have a red and blue haze around it, where it looked like I was watching a 3D movie without the glasses on. Uh, So, I mean, it was very stylistic, and it was kind of cool, but... I don't know. It didn't. It didn't always work for me visually. I mean, it was kind of neat, but it just sometimes it just it was jarring the way how it did not look good it, because of the style. But I, you know, I guess it was style choices. So I guess that's what they meant to do. But I, I was not entirely pleased with it all the time. There were times, like I said, it felt like I was watching a 3D movie about the glasses. I, it was hard to focus on certain things, uh, and yeah. So, but I do appreciate what they were trying to do. 
overall story here. What this looks to be is Sony trying to find a way to continue a Spider-Man franchise outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And an easy way to do that is using the fact that there is a Spider-Verse or Multiverse within Marvel that has now been slowly being developed a lot more here recently. And they have all kinds of variety of Spider-People that they've brought in in the comics. And so Sony saw an opportunity to create new Spider-style characters based on something that might exist in the comics. So we have a, a basically an origin story of a Miles Morales and of course he meets all these different spider people as the Kingpin who we got this weird and I guess this Kingpin has superpowers with some of the stuff he's able to do he picks up a car at one point so we have a Kingpin with superpowers and it is fun that he's got uh, among his side he's got Tombstone in there which Tombstone does not seem to be as invulnerable as he should be uh, he's also got the Prowler on his team uh, and an octopus character that I, I don't want to reveal because it is a bit of a surprise. There was one surprise in the movie, though, you're going to see coming a mile away, I think. Uh, so I wasn't really too surprised by something that was supposed to be a dramatic moment. And it did work for the story, but I wasn't caught really off guard by it. But it did make for a very interesting dramatic moment. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything through but the Kingpin is looking for alternate versions of people. And he's exploring the multiverse with help of his friends. But his is stepping into the multiverse and breaking through into the other universes threatens to destroy all universes as they are not supposed to be blending this way. But what has happened is various spider people have shown up all in the dimension where our friend Miles Morales lives. And uh, Miles Morales has recently been bitten by a spider that has been through apparently the, uh, these, and this is kind of neat when you see him in the movie, there's these two like beams that hit each other and it looks a lot like the uh, radioactive beams that in the actual Spider-Man comics that, you know, so apparently the spider has come through, which we are indicated by it kind of has these weird buggy flash things that happen, which things when the things that cross over from other dimensions seems to have these weird jarring things that happen like they twitch badly, almost like a glitch uh, from Vanellope Van Sweets, really. So what it looks like. So this spider has been exposed to it before it bites Miles and uh, grants him some spider powers. The interesting thing is Miles Morales is in a world that already has a Spider-Man. And there's some surprises about this Spider-Man. He has some similarities to the previous Sony films, but yet he's a slightly different one. It is kind of nice to have a nod to the Sony films, but yet this one is different. We actually get a lot of quick origins, and they show some comic book covers, of every different Spider-Character that we get to meet of who that character is. So we get introduced to all these different spider characters and it is fun to meet Spider-Ham and uh, they even have, you know, uh, Spider-Gwen or she's Spider-Woman in her universe. So it's neat having all these different characters that come together and Miles basically learning how to use his powers as something happens to where now he is his universe's only hope other than these other spider people to save his universe. He needs to be the one. And it's very interesting too. He has a great character arc of learning to use his powers and accepting the responsibility that it is up to him and uh, finding himself up to the task or not. So it's been, it was, it's a very good journey. Uh, there is, you know, it's animated. So you have to give him a little bit of slack. Uh, I mean, there's, cause there's some stuff that at the end that I was like, well, that was a little convenient. Um, uh, he's got an odd relationship with his father. His father is trying to be very loving, but for some reason they're just not bonded very well. Uh, and his father also does not like Spider-Man. Uh, even, uh, the Spider-Man he meets later, which doesn't realize is Miles. 
But I don't, there's like a sudden turn that I don't know why it happened where Selene's father is okay with Spider-Man when he sees he's fighting the Kingpin. Because uh, I guess like, the Kingpin is supposed to be established as a bad guy. Maybe they're supposed to know. But yet we do see the Kingpin is putting on this big like charity event and everybody's there. Like he's a, oh, they all think he's this great philanthropist, including Mary Jane, who shows up there. Uh, and I don't want to say what the event is and, you know, what it's connected to. It's it's very interesting. Um so, I mean, there's some stuff that I was like, what? You know, there's like, I'm just supposed to go with this here. Overall, though, uh, there are some great funny moments. I was very entertained. I actually had a lot of fun with this movie. Uh, some people are calling this, oh, this is my favorite Spider-Man movie ever. And, you know, calling it greatest. Uh, and I think this this movie is getting a bit Black Panthered uh, by some media outlets. And by that, I mean Black Panther is a good movie. And it's a good Marvel movie. It's really not a cut above any of the other Marvel movies. But due to a quote-unquote cultural significance, it's treated like as if it's better. And I feel that this movie is getting some of that treatment. Where, it, yes, it's a good movie. And yes, it's fun. But it's not as great as what it's being built up to be. It doesn't deserve its 100% at Rotten Tomatoes. But it's being treated as if it is a culturally significant because anybody can wear the mask is a message they're wanting to run with of, you know, all racist creeds and whatever. And so they're trying to treat it as cultural. The funny thing is the movie doesn't treat this as it's a big cultural thing. It's just a movie, as we were talking before, where, where Ray falls short, where you just need to create good characters and we don't care what they are. We just enjoy that character because it's a good character. And this movie does succeed at creating good characters. We like Miles in this movie. He's a, we, we relate to Miles. We understand Miles Morales. We like him. And so we back him and we support him. Uh, and so overall, you know, this movie does succeed at being fun. And it's a good movie. And I think you're going to have a good time. And I recommend you go and check it out. It's worth seeing in the theater. Uh, like I said, it's not a perfect movie. I, I did find some flaws in it. But... It's a good time, and I think you're going to have fun, so definitely go and check it out, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get some additional animated movies from this. It's possible they will, because maybe Sony can you know, keep this separate from the MCU and have some more fun stories. Maybe bring in a few more characters that are, you know, kind of get ignored in the films, like, you know, Tombstone and Prowler. It was nice to see them in this movie, so... Yeah, I would like to see them do some more. I did have a good time with this, and uh, like I said, I do recommend it. But it is time now to talk to Terry J. Wheeland, Jr. To Disney and beyond. In these pages, longtime Disney enthusiast Terry J. Wheeland, Jr. interviews 10 people who have made Disney the centerpiece of their lives. You'll meet Dr. Jeff Barnes, a.k.a. Dr. Disneyland. We all know him. We love him already. Uh, who teaches a college course on the history of Disneyland. And boy, I wish I could have uh, been a transfer student for a brief moment before I graduated. Uh, Jim Corcus, longtime Disney historian. I have his email. We're going to talk to him eventually. Tom Nabe, I've got his autograph. The original Tom Sawyer at Disneyland. And several more people from former cast members at the Disney parks to people who love Disney so much they've moved to Orlando. Wheeland gets to the heart of why Disney means so much to each individual, looking not just at his favorite movies and theme park attractions, but how Disney has given these individuals hope, courage, and purpose. A special bonus chapter features Walt Disney himself and what the magic meant to him, but best of all is the opportunity to explore your own love for Disney. Wheeland offers the chance here to share your Disney memories and use them as touchstones to find purpose and joy in your life. 
Reading this book is like wishing upon a star, and we all know what can happen then. So the book is What the Magic Means. It's coming out officially January 1st. What a great way to start a new year. So everybody say hello to Terry J. Wheeland, Jr. I appreciate that, guys. That's a mouthful of an, of an introduction. So, <laughs> Yeah, I saw it on your website, and I thought, well, this just tells pretty much everything to get you started. Yeah, and and you're right. It it is the uh, the back cover of the book, word for word. So, <laughs> see, I do my research exactly, <laughs> exactly. I appreciate that. But uh, a little bit of background here. Um, I don't know exactly how you explain your coaching. I don't you know what you would call it, but it looks like you have several different businesses through this for Eons Entertainment, uh, and it's like this building magic coaching and consulting. And uh, I guess this is pretty much what you do for your major income, then, right? Yeah, this is my uh, my job. I guess that's what I do um, mostly for a living. I work really with with inner inner. Um, Independent entrepreneurs is kind of what I focus on. People who are starting an online business or people who are in, you know, kind of an independent contractor role, whether it's a real estate agent or a mortgage broker, something like that. I like, I like that one on one. And, uh, we just do everything from, you know, kind of the creation and, and their idea and their vision, you know, to, as, as Walt would look at it. And, uh, then we just kind of put it into practice and, and get them rolling with it. So that's, uh, that's kind of the focus of, of what I do on a daily basis. Ah, and I was about to add freelance videographers onto there because that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, hmm, and then I, you know, and, and I, I add some other things in there. I have some e-commerce businesses that I'm in the process of building out, and uh, I guess I'm just kind of that serial entrepreneur that, uh, <laughs> that you hear about. So. Yeah, because there was I mean, it was on your Facebook page. It mentioned like multiple businesses, and I was like, what? What all is this guy into? <laughs> yeah. Anything I can. I love, you know, I love just that creation part of it. So, mm-hmm. and you even have something called Building Magic TV that's coming soon. What's this going to be? Yeah, well, you know, we don't really know for sure. Where there's there's some ideas out there of, um, you know, just some potentially a podcast, more of like a, you know, more of like a video interview. Uh, we're talking about doing some documentaries, both with the people that I've already interviewed for the book and some other people, um, you know, from, from the Disney space, uh, and then bringing in some of the, some of the travel, you know, some of the, you know, the tips of the day or, you know, those kind of things as well. So we're, we're still kind of brainstorming what that's really going to look like. Oh, so you have a whole team coming together for this. Yeah. I have some ideas on people that I'd like to be in, involved in it. So. So is this plans? Because I've noticed you did have a, a link to a YouTube channel, but there's no content yet. Is that Nothing. where that's? That's going to that, be yeah. It'll it, we, we'll we'll have it based on YouTube. Awesome. So, so really, the we're talking about an adventure that starts at about 1987 when you're uh, let's see 11. 1987, yeah, I was uh, 11 years old in in early January, and uh, you know we just. It was the first time we had kind of planned it for a while, and uh, you know, it, it was my introduction to, you know, Walt Disney World, and you know, m- I guess my story really begins there because I remember, and I, I mentioned it in the book a little bit. I just remember, you know, walking through there, just amazed at how they put it together. Uh, you know, I talk about how it wasn't really about, you know, the the souvenirs or the characters or anything like that. For me, I was just amazed at, at that age on on. on how they just did all that? Like, how in the world did you put all of this together? And uh, that just, you know, built a going on 32 year passion at this point that's now turned into a, a book. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that we could all probably look back to like the first time we stepped foot into a Disney park and the impact it instantly had. 
And I, I've already shared many times before because I was, uh, I guess, 32 when I first went in. Yeah, I was 32 when I finally got to go to a park, and I'd been wishing and dreaming I could get a chance to go. And so finally to walk in there, and the first thing I see is the parade coming down there, and they're singing Celebrate a Dream Come True. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's perfect because that's exactly what just happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, in my, yeah, in my case, you know, it was really growing up with the movies. You know, caught, mm-hmm. I remember going to the theater and watching The Rescuers and just kind of being entranced by what was going on on the screen. And, you know, Jungle Book was also very formative. And, you know, I, I remember driving past the theater showing a, a they're re-showing Mary Poppins in the early 80s, and I was like, what's that all about, and why is it all so bright and magical? Of course, that led to going to Disneyland. I grew up, you know, going to Disneyland every three years with my family and got to a point where, you know, I was the one carrying the camera and singing along all the songs and having all my family members turn and look at me and give me that disapproving look of, we're trying to enjoy this ride here. <laughs> Calm down there. You know, but, you know, e- even even myself, I, I just got to visit Walt Disney World for the first time this this year. And it was just there's always something new, something always amazing within this world. And, you know, it gives us a great opportunity to reflect upon where we've come from and, and think about what's what's to come. You know, whether it's a new ride or new attraction or, you know, just just what's around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and being a local here, I, I, you know, I'm afforded the ability to go quite often. And, you know, every time I walk in, you know, I could have been there four or five days earlier and I see something new. And I see something that, uh, you know, I've just never noticed before. And I remember in the, when I interviewed Ron Schneider, who was the original dream finder for Journey into Imagination at Epcot, uh, you know, the one thing that, that he talked about was, Somehow in our minds, when we walk into an attraction or we see a show or we see a movie, we kind of tell ourselves, this is the first time that we're seeing it. So, you know, we're opening ourselves up to experience this thing all over again, even though we might have seen it a hundred times. And and ever since we've had that conversation, I, it just rings so true to me because every attraction that I go on or every show that I go into, I always see something different. And and. You know, that's that's part of it for me at this point is I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm always open to that. I'm always looking for that at the, right now. Yeah, that reminds me, even uh, my, my first time going through the Haunted Mansion, I was wishing that Doom Buggy would slow down because there's so many details and mm-hmm. so many new things to see that I wanted to just have a moment. I just would like to have stopped. And so I could look at every little picture on the wall, every little detail, because, yeah, there is definitely, I can see where going on to an attraction, even if you've done it a hundred times, there's probably something you've missed on the way by. Absolutely. Uh, Oh, yeah. One thing that I can definitely say for sure is the first time you go to a park, it, it has an impact on your life. And it seems to change things. I mean, at least it did for me, because I grew up, you know, Disney Channel and watching Disney movies and, of course, being a Disney fan. But the moment I went in, actually got into a park, it has literally changed the course of my life, because now suddenly I have this podcast, which actually led me to go and finish my degree, which I just finally completed. And so, I mean, there's always, it seems to turn a corner in a lot of people's lives. Did you find that was a common thread when you interviewed people? Yeah, and, and and first of all, congratulations on on the graduation. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, you know, and I, and I think ultimately that's kind of the the gist of the book. That's kind of you know what my idea was because you know even before I started the book and 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 getting into it, the thing that 
I think means the most to me out of all of this is that everybody experiences the magic of Disney in their own way. You know, it touches mm-hmm. different people different ways. You know, for some people, it's it's Main Street and Cinderella Castle. So for some people like me, it was Spaceship Earth or it, it's an attraction or it's a character or, you know, it's a movie. And and that was it was just a really cool part of this whole experience to to kind of sit back and and listen to, you know, how deeply it, it affected people, um, you know, because almost everybody. They started out, you know, whether it was, you know, as a, at a young age or even, you know, like you said, in your 30s, once it hits, it hits hard and, mm-hmm. it, and it just sticks with you. It, and, it, and it could be in, in a lot of different ways. And that was like I said, that was just a really cool piece of this to uh, to just see how many different ways it can touch people. Yeah, and one thing I've even observed uh, with, you know, I, right now I'm driving Uber and Lyft, and people will ask me some, well, you know, well, what do you do when you're not driving this car? And I'll mention the podcast, and you'll talk about stuff from, you know, like a Disney park, or even today, some writers I had, I was I was playing some music from the, uh, I guess I, I had Window to the Magic actually playing another podcast, and they were going through to the Small World Holiday, and uh, one of the writers recognized that music, but the twinkle that pops into people's eyes when like, oh, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Oh, the holiday small world is so wonderful. But people just light up when they, yeah. you know, reminisce about having gone into these parks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, like one of the the things that I'm hoping comes out of this is, you know, as you kind of mentioned in the intro, um, the, the the last piece of this whole book is that the, at the bottom of every chapter, you know, I share the story of the person that I interviewed and, and we go through some of those segments. But at the end of every chapter, I'm giving the reader the opportunity to kind of compile their story as we go through and then at the very end, put it all together. Um, and it's and it's those kind of things that I'm hoping comes out of that. You know, those those memory joggers that has, you know, it, they've carried it with them, um, you know, forever and it's impacted them. And, and that's now part of their Disney story and part of their story overall. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I and I can really relate with that. You know, I remember, you know, we, we had an old video disc player. These were like record players for movies. And uh, we had Pete's Dragon. And my mom had us all gather around the TV and the video disc player so that we could learn how to sing Candle on the Water. Wow. And that, that that's just something that's really str- uh, stuck with me all through my life is just, you know, that, that little family event as we're, you know, trying to learn the song to, I don't even know why we were performing it. I think it was for a family reunion or something, but just, <laughs> you know, gathering together, you know, with all my brothers and sisters at the time, learning to sing this song that's about, you know, reaching out and, and holding on to hope and, you know, just trying to find something to grasp onto there. It, it just, it, it's a thing. Yeah, you know, and I think really people, people hold on to the memories more than anything else. You know, the, the mm-hmm. next attraction is great. The next movie is great. All of those things are, are great. However, it's, it's those memories that people, you know, they walk into a, a certain area. You know, they might walk into Adventureland and they'll remember something that happened there with their family. You know, that's the kind of stuff that's going to be lasting and impactful going forward. Um, the rest of it is just, you know, icing on the cake that we get to do all of these cool things when we go. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just really, it, it's really that part of it. You know, people, people will always remember the cool things that happened to them in the Disney park, probably more than just about anything when they're, you know, kind of in our community. 
Yeah, so it was like we all have our individual stories of how it impacts us, but in a lot of ways it's that shared story because those memories that we make with the people we go into the parks with, with our families or our friends. So we get like this, it, it builds this community of uh, us insane Disney people. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, there's a huge community of locals around here now. It's crazy. <laughs> I've tried to convince my wife we need to move there, but she's afraid that there's too many people because she's an introvert. But I'm thinking once I get her to walk into that park, that introvert thing's going to fade away for a little bit. You know, she might have to re- sleep it off a little bit overnight, but I, that little girl is going to just jump right out of her and she's going to have a ball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So well, two things, the two things that I've learned living here in a short period of time is there are a lot of people here. And in the summertime, it is the surface of the sun for about five months. So you, just, <laughs> you just have to prepare yourself for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But at least you get rain about every day, so you can cool off for a little just bit. About, yeah. We just pray for like a day of 85 in the middle of the summer, but that doesn't happen. So, (laughs) yeah, I was trying to get there myself this year. Uh, You know, just out of the blue, uh, my company had a position open in Orlando and, you know, everybody that I told that I was applying for, you know, they just seemed kind of shocked. And then I said, well, I don't think I'm moving so much to work. So, so much as I'm going to play. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I'm setting that as a goal, too. It's like, you know, I want to make enough money where I have maybe a, I don't know, a winter home there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and if if somebody ever gets to a point where they're paying me to make this podcast, then I can call it research. There you go. There you go. <laughs> business write-offs. That's what we like. Exactly. A business write-off. That I, I'm going to I'm going to coin that term in there. I'm writing that down. Business write-off. Go. Research. Yep. Exactly. So the, you actually have a long list of people that you interviewed in there. Uh, was there one that you were especially excited to be able to talk to? You know, I, I, one of the things about the, the just the experience is I got really lucky with almost everybody that I had written down on my short list um, immediately said yes. Um, I had to make a couple of adjustments as we go. Um, but, you know, to, to have the ability to to really kind of have that almost dream team was was just a it was a great part of it. I didn't you know, I didn't really have anybody say no to me. Um, and so I, I think just um Maybe not going into it. I mean, there were there were obviously people that you know I kind of knew their story. I had read their books before, um, but I think coming out of it more than anything, there was there was an appreciation as I as I talked to them. Um, there was an excitement, you know, to kind of hear their story and and be excited to share their story. Um, and, and you know, and one of those guys I think is as I mentioned before, Ron Schneider. Because, you know, really when I went into it, I was kind of reading his book as we were, as we were going through the process. And, and really all I knew Ron as was a, you know, dream finder. And, you know, the more I read his book and I talked to him and we had breakfast a couple times, you know, he is an incredible live entertainment, um, person. And, you know, he has a huge background in that. He's done, you know, numerous roles with Disney, outside of Disney, um, you know, still works in live theater. He actually has a show right now that he wrote and directed. Um, it's it's a Christmas uh, show that's going in a, in a small theater in downtown Orlando right now. And so I just, you know, I didn't know that much about him. And, and I just came away with this huge appreciation of him and, and really being a genius in his craft. And then the other thing that I didn't really expect was, you know, hearing him talk about the live entertainment part of the parks 
it, it kind of made me take a step back and say, you know what, there's so much of that that I probably walk right by. And, mm. and so I kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of slow down a little bit as I go through, you know, when I see the Dapper Dans, I'll stop and I'll watch them and I'll, I'll take that in and I'll, I'll enjoy that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just do some of that, you know, live action that they have all around the parks that, you know, for, for the longest time, I think what a lot of people do, including myself is, you know, we're rushing from attraction to attraction to show to dinner to, you know, attraction and, and we miss that. And so, you know, having that conversation with Ron really kind of, made me appreciate some of the live action that uh, that the parks offer see i think it that you know it's, it's a part that that you know it brings in the past still you know live action was obviously a huge part of of you know theme park entertainment forever and ever and ever before uh, you know all the big roller coasters and dark rides and so i think you know the live entertainment now that disney offers is is kind of a you know a, a, an homage back to that uh back to that original stuff mm-hmm you know that that's one of my favorite things about going to the parks um, is is seeing that live entertainment and and actually when it's uh, a group that you you know become so familiar with, uh, I really loved the Billy Hill and the Hillbilly Show at Disneyland. Uh, it was something that you know we always made time to go see and. Every time we went to the park, you know, even as annual pass holders, every time we would go to Disneyland, we would be sure that we, you know, stopped in for an hour and, and took in that show. And, you know, when, when Disneyland lost them, it was uh, kind of a, a big shock to me and a lot of the community had come to really love and appreciate that group. And we're glad we can now see them elsewhere. But, you know, there, there's something about that, you know, little extra magic, that little extra bit of um, uh of stage dressing, I guess, with, with these live acts and, you know, with the people who are there to perform and, and just add that little extra touch. Yeah. You know, having the, the chats with Ron made me kind of wish that I had seen things like the, you know, the diamond horseshoe and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that existed 20 plus years ago that I just never was able to see. You know, I've, I've gone back and I've watched YouTubes and, you know, I've watched some of the, the early performances of Ron and some of the other people. And I'm like, you know, I would love to have that still. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And, and when I saw Ron's name in your book, I just got this huge smile across my face. You know, I all I know him for is as uh, Dreamfinder. And, you know, I never like I said, I didn't get to Walt Disney World until this year. So I never got to see the original uh, journey into imagination. Okay. And I know that if I'd have gone in the 80s, I would have loved Epcot for what it was at the time. But, uh, you know, it, it's really amazing how, you know, even somebody like that can have such an impact. Uh, without you know more than just seeing his name and his picture in, in a book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's the funny thing about it is, you know, Ron hasn't been Dreamfinder since 1987, oh, wow. and you know, it, so 30 plus years later, people are still talking about it, and people still, you know, that that's that's a Dreamfinder to to everybody, um, and it, it's just you know, and so that's the kind of stuff that you know I wanted to capture in the book because those are things that are going to last forever. Um, you know, Tom Nabby is another great story that's in there because, you know, Tom actually went directly to Walt and and asked him about being Tom Sawyer. And <laughs> Walt didn't even have any he had zero plans to have a live Tom Sawyer on Tom Sawyer Island. But, Tom, you know, Tom Nabby basically sold it and uh, and Walt <laughs> hired him. And, you know, then that was a 30 plus year Disney legend uh you know, coming out of that. And, you know, it's just like hearing those stories, you know, it's one thing to read the book, but to actually sit down and have conversations with them and hear, you know, all of the story is, is just such a special part of it. 
Yeah, I actually remember hearing uh, Tom Nabby telling that story up in Marceline, and the, he even had like photos of his original like application or you know his like his employee forms that he had to fill out, and he was grossly underage, so they had to get like parental permission and all this stuff. Yeah, uh, and I, what a great keepsake really to have oh, yeah. when you're one of those original employees, you know, and. Uh, he had a lot of great photos of him sitting with Walt, and I can't imagine it at being at that young age. Just you know, meeting Walt would have been enough. But oh, yeah. you know, to, to be able to work with him and then doing these photo shoots together, and oh my goodness, yep. he yeah, had a really cool life. He did. He uh, you know, and, and you'll see the quote in the book under his under his name in the chapter, and you know, he said, "My life basically satisfies the American dream." And, and he really believes that. And I, I totally concur with that. I think, you know, he uh, he he did everything he could through Disney for, you know, 30 plus years, um, all the way from, you know, Tom Sawyer to being in operations for a long time and, you know, moved obviously from. Uh, from California to here in Orlando and, and was part of the, the opening team at Magic Kingdom and part of the opening team on Epcot and, you know, just, a, just an incredible story. Yep. And now he's got a window, uh, which I, I think they did yeah. put it in Orlando, didn't they? They did. Yep. So that would be like the ultimate goal if you're going to work for Disney is to get that window. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> Tom actually has, you know, cause obviously pins are a big deal. Yeah. Tom actually, Tom actually had uh, pins made of his window. So if you ever meet him, he'll give you a pin of his window. It's pretty cool. Now I'm wondering, did I, I know I got a pin when I met them all. Did I get one of his window? I'll have to go figure out where I put it now. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, yeah, I, I, golly. But, you know, there's just so many of those stories that, mm -hmm. uh, that I, you know, I came out to kind of, you know, to kind of finish that answer to your question. Um, you know, even, even people that, um, you know, that I interviewed that I didn't really know at all, uh, John Sicari, Big Fat Panda, and, mm -hmm. uh, and Serena from livingbydisney.com, you know, they both basically moved here for Disney and, uh, have, have really built their own businesses around it, you know, just like you guys with the podcast. And, you know, again, just really great people that, uh, you know, that I get the pleasure of, of now hanging out with as locals. And, you know, they just have really cool stories about how it all meant to them. And it obviously impacted them a great deal to, to you know, move their families all the way down here to uh, to take that leap and build a business. So, oh, yeah. Hashtag life goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, looking to the future, is there a possibility that we might get a volume two? You know, that's the question everybody's already asked me. And, and to be honest, I never really thought about it. Um, but I think it definitely could be because, you know, there's so many people that, you know, I said, like I said before, I made a, I made kind of a short list and I was lucky to get most of the people on there. And, mm -hmm. and now that I've been going through this process for a while, there's there's all of these other people that I've now had conversations with. You know, some of them wrote recommendations for the book or endorsements for the book. And, uh, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, I want to I want to, you know, capture their story. And, um, you know, one of the one of the people that I'll just mention him real quick. One of the people that wrote an endorsement for a book for the book is uh, Mark Silverman. And if you know who Mark is, Mark is basically a voiceover character and uh, or voiceover actor, excuse me. And mm -hmm. Mark was the original voice of Tower of Terror. 
when it first oh, right, opened. right, yeah. And so, just a really cool guy. You know, again, you know, fell in love with Disneyland, living in California as a kid, and he, uh, you know, he he would actually go and take a tape recorder and go on the rides, and he would he would tape record the um, the voices, and and that's how he would practice his voices. So, you know, I'd love to sit down with him and 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 go through that story with him. So, I, I think there would be uh, there there is the possibility of a second one. Um, the caveat being just trying to capture the the reader story part of it i'd have to mm-hmm. obviously come up with a you know a different personal development piece of it um but you know i i think it's possible for sure well heck there's definitely more stories you could collect uh even if uh, if you ever gotten a chance to come here to marceline missouri no uh, it's it's on my short bucket list for sure oh definitely well if you ever get a chance to come out here you come find me because uh, I, I i'm just two hours away and i go out all the time and they know me up there in the museum but in there, you can meet some before they all pass away because they're getting old, you know. But you can meet some of the people who would meet Walt as he would come back uh, for, like, the dedication of the swimming pool and for the school. So you can meet, like, Inez Johnson, where uh, her husband actually helped Walt buy back his old farm. And they were going to try to build a, a farm-themed park out of it. But that project never got completed because Walt unfortunately passed away. And so Roy only stuck around to finish the Florida project and they never got going on that Marceline project. But there's so many stories even up there of, you know, of course, going to the parks as Inez's daughter, Kay Mallins, uh, she even got her first job because of knowing Walt. She got her first job actually in Disneyland uh, because he'd known she knew him from when she was a little girl. And so now she's running this museum up there and they have all these fun items that uh, that uh, his sister Ruth had donated to the uh, to the museum. And so, I mean, there's lots of good stories even there from, you know, from being in the parks or even just being a small town child and having Walt come and dedicate your school uh, and, and bringing playground equipment and stuff. I mean, there's Walt had just such an impact on so many different lives and now continuing to have, you know, impact through these parks. And yeah. I'm excited even, you know, with future generations now, you know, because we're getting this big Star Wars expansion. And so we're bringing in a whole new flock of kids into the parks that have new adventures uh, that are going to, of course, meet our old favorite characters, but also bringing, you know, meeting some of these new characters. So there's going to be so many new stories being generated all the time. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, it's, and it's been great, you know, taking my kids to the parks and watching them experience the things that I've already done and seeing it brand new through their eyes. I am so excited. You know, we're hoping to have the chance to take them to Disney World next year and uh, be able to, you know, have that experience through them as well. After my wife and I were able to visit this year, we enjoyed the experience so much, even though we you know, weren't able to get additional park tickets. My job allows us to be able to travel and so two weeks after our trip to Walt Disney World, we came back out. We just hung out at Disney Springs and, you know, just drove around to see where the other parks were. And that even that was just, you know, it was fun. It was building memories and, and sharing those experiences with them. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, like for me right now, that's that's a big part of the magic is, you know, uh, there's so many things, especially at Walt Disney World. I have, I've only been to Disneyland um, really one time and it was 15 years ago on a Saturday afternoon in the middle of the summer. So mm-hmm. I saw nothing. Um, right. I, I went on Haunted Mansion and I think I went on Indiana Jones and that was about it. That took up pretty much the afternoon. So I, I don't really know that much about Disneyland. Um, but you know, one of my favorite things to do at, at Disney World now is, is 
all of the other things besides the theme park, you know, Disney mm-hmm. Springs and, and going to the different resorts and, and having, you know, lunches or dinners and, and just kind of taking in that. Um, a lot of times I'll take, you know, my laptop and my phone and, and I'll work from there, you know, for a few hours just to kind of be, you know, in that, uh, in the ambiance of that. I'll sit, you know, like off to the side in a hotel lobby or by one of the lounges where, you know, I'm kind of out of the way. And, uh, it's just a great way to, uh, to, you know, to still be experiencing it and, and, and be a consumer of it. But, you know, you don't always have to be in the theme parks. Mm-hmm. So what is that go-to attraction when you are going into one of the parks that you actually definitely have to go to every time? In each one or just one in general? Well, do you have one in each one? <laughs> uh, if I thought about it, probably um, I, I was I was actually just in Magic Kingdom today. So, you know, for me, it's 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 Pirates and Haunted Mansion. It, you know, if I have the time, I'm going on both of those, um, mm-hmm. you know, Spaceship Earth, probably it, it's getting an update. And I it, as much as it pains me, I know that it needs that update in, in certain places. Um, it will forever be number one on my list and in my heart. Um, right now with like everybody else, I'm absolutely in love with flight of passage at, at animal kingdom mm-hmm. just because it's something that, you know, none of us have ever seen before. And, um, you know, from a Hollywood studio standpoint, I don't want to give it the, the, you know, the, the rundown like everybody else. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Toy Story Mania, believe it or not. I think it's just, again, it's, you know, it's just fun. It's, it's right out of the movie. Um, you know, uh, uh, Slinky Dog is great. All of those other things. I just have like this soft spot in my heart for Toy Story Mania for some reason. I haven't gotten to ride that one. I completely missed it when I was there. It's on my bucket list. Like, okay, I have to go. Somehow we, uh, when we were in the Hollywood Studios, we completely missed that back lot area. I don't know how we did it, but we just never got around back there where the the stunt spectacular or the Toy Story Mania or any of that. We just missed it. Yeah, it was really easy to miss all that back there. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a huge story. I mean, I don't know which is better for me, Toy Story or Monsters Incorporated, but Toy Story is one of those really high up there type of movies. That entire series, I love it. So I, I, I would definitely share a love for Toy Story Mania. I mean, that's a, that's a ride that was so well received that they actually made a Nintendo version of the ride. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And it still has nice long lines, so everybody's mm-hmm. enjoying it. Yes, it. yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah, and my go-to is definitely still the Haunted Mansion. That's actually, before I ever went to the park, I had gotten a cassette tape of the, the Ron Howard uh, Haunted Mansion story thing with, uh, uh, let's see, not, well, you know, Thoreau's Rabbit's Crop sings in it, but it's got uh, Peter Renadate as the ghost host and... Uh, that one just launched me into a love because you know before I was like, wow, I'd really love to go to the parks. But when you start getting some of that audio, I started getting excited and I started doing some research and you know looking, seeing pictures of from inside the haunted mansion. And I learned all this stuff that by the time I got into the park, I was pacing myself. But I was like, okay, I know the haunted mansion is in here somewhere. I could I could either make a dash for it now or let's just take my time. We'll go around and let's you know see what else is here too. And if, and I think the well, yeah, it must have been the first traction we actually got on, other than, you know, going up the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. I think it was Pirates of the Caribbean is the first ride that I actually got on to in, in Walt Disney World. Yeah. Followed very closely by the Jungle Cruise, which I, I absolutely love that one, too, no matter what anybody <laughs> says. That's a great ride. I'm a huge fan of Adventureland. Like, I could just hang out in Adventureland and, and hit all of those and, and listen to the area loop, and, and I'd totally be content. Oh, yeah. 
And I look forward to one day seeing what it's like in Disneyland with Adventureland because I want to see that Tarzan treehouse. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a fun one. But, you know, for me, it's got to be the original and the best Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland. Yeah, see, I gotta get out there. Yeah, well, you know, but you know, we got the nice drops down. You go through the caverns, you hear all the spooky music, and you get that whole experience before entering the town. The California Adventure. I have to say, the original Soren. Um, just absolutely love that ride. Uh, it was such a new and unique experience that uh, you know it. I. I I think Flight of Passage has topped it for me, but, you know, it's still really good. Even with the new uh, Soarin' Around the World aspect to it, but still the original Soarin' is just a wonderful and great experience. And one of my favorite experiences with my kids is watching them each time, the first time they ride it, and feel that exhilaration and that lift and and watch it as they're moving. Uh, Going across to uh, Florida, Magic Kingdom, I think my favorite uh, has to be Carousel of Progress. That's something that I've always wanted to see, and it was the one thing that we absolutely had to do at, uh, at Magic Kingdom for us. Uh, Animal Kingdom, I got to agree with Flight of Passage. There's, you know, it's it's the best thing that's there, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah. Hollywood's. Since uh, I still Hollywood's- haven't done Flight of Passage, I got to go with the Kilimanjaro <laughs> Safari over there because that was fantastic. Oh yeah, I'm a huge oh, fan yeah. of that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Hollywood Studios, the Tower, Tower of Terror, absolutely the best one, you know, especially compared with Disneyland. And while I liked uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy theme to it, oh, man, the, the tower there in Florida just just beats it in every single way. And finally, with uh, Epcot, my favorite, I have to agree, uh, agree with you there, Terry, it's got to be Spaceship Earth. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know, as we were driving around our first day there, and I could see the top of Spaceship Earth, I I, I squealed. I, there's no other way to describe it. I squealed when I saw it. And then we, when we went in the the next day, you know, I just it was pouring rain, um, but I could do nothing but just sit there and stare with my mouth open. I'm finally here. You know, that that was more of a an icon moment for me, seeing Spaceship Earth and being in the park than even being in Magic Kingdom and seeing uh, 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 Cinderella Castle. Uh, it was kind of the culmination of, you know, the 40 years that I've been waiting to go to, to Disney World. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with Disneyland. So, well, somebody that you guys are really familiar with, obviously, uh, Jeff Barnes, who's a great friend oh, yeah. of mine. You know, I yeah, talk to him awesome. almost almost every day, if not every couple of days. And, oh, wow. You know, he, uh, he I always I'm always jealous of him because, you know, he and his wife, Nikki, are, are always going to Disneyland. And I'm like, I just want to go and, you know, and, and, and experience it for a weekend. Um, and, and obviously there's an open invitation there. So it's something that I want to do because, you know, it, it's important to me as as somebody who. You know, a big part of of my passion for Disney is is Walt. Um, you know, as much as anything, and you know, seeing what he created is something that you know I, I just have to see. And you know, at some point in my life, you know, I, I know the stories, and and I've seen you know the the second coming of it here. But you know, to to experience the original ideas at, at Disneyland is it's it's just it's such a must see for me. Oh yeah, the thing I love about Disneyland is you know it, it is where Walt walked. It's uh, it's his park, and there's still so much of him that is still there. 
um, yeah, I was blown away and I, I'm ready to, you know, pour my full devotions towards Walt Disney World now. But there really is something special about Disneyland. And, and, you know, it's not just that it's more intimate or that, you know, it, it, it doesn't have the same level of spectacle as Disney World has, but it's, for me, it is home. It really does feel a lot like home. Yeah, and that's my goal. I'm Disneyland. I want to be there, and I want to see Walt's apartment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and plus, if we ever get the opportunity to go with Dr. Barnes, I wish oh, heck know yes. where the great ice cream places are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. That's that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner when it comes to Jeff. So. Yeah. And I, I feel halfway responsible. I actually gave him a recommendation when he was coming to Marceline uh, for a book signing. I told him to go over to Ma Vicks and have some of the ice cream there. They, uh, oh, I forgot. what a Dusty Miller, that's what they call it. I, have, I recommended a Dusty Miller to him, and he took a picture with one the following day. I'm like, woohoo! That's great. <laughs> yeah, one of the last times he was here, I picked him up at his, his hotel, and we went and had breakfast real quick. And, of course, you know, on the way back to his hotel, we had to stop our ice cream. It's just like it's in his DM. <laughs> At this point. So. <laughs> yeah, I just wish the ice cream was a bit more diabetic friendly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the gym, the gym in the morning doesn't like it either. So, ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the thing. You know, twenty years ago it wasn't a problem, but now, yeah, it's kind of changes. So, for some reason, it hangs around a little bit now. So, but see, ice cream around Disney parks, there's no calories in Disney. You know, people keep telling me that, that calories at Disney don't matter, so I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Well, well, especially with the premium Mickey bars. That's right. Yeah. Well, when you consider the, you know, you probably walked a good 12 miles around the park that day, you know, it, it balances out. <laughs> the problem is, is when you're there two or three times a week, you can't really use the calorie excuse. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, just make sure when you go and you have your big fancy meal at the Beauty and the Beast there that you take a walk around the park and make sure you write everything. A right, back. exactly. See? <laughs> so Eat first. It is a workout. Well, and at least like you don't have the Monte Cristo sandwich to worry about there to weigh you down. Something else that Jeff talks about all the time that I have to uh, <laughs> I have to try. So yeah, see, I got some friends that have a recipe book that apparently has the recipe for that. That I guess they got the book from Disney, and I've actually never eaten one. But I think doesn't the Monte Cristo have like sauerkraut on it or something weird? Oh, oh no no no! It's uh it's basically it's a, a ham and turkey sandwich with Swiss cheese that is deep fried. See, that sounds awesome. And it's served with a, a side of a jam, and it's sprinkled with powdered sugar on the top. And uh, it quite literally is a heart attack uh, waiting to happen. Right. <laughs> well, you see, you cut it up and you share it. That's what you do. There you go. See, there's ways around, you know. I learn from Lou Mangiello every time he does a, a restaurant review. They always share everything on the table. Of course, they order about four or five different dishes, but they share everything. Right. So you're not eating quite as much as you would if you just ate your entire meal yourself, right? So it's justification. And there you are. <laughs> but uh, we probably better get this wrapped up. Uh, so we, people can pre-order the book, right? Yeah, the um, they can get the the pre-order. It will be available on Amazon for pre-order probably sometime. Uh, I would guess by the um, by the weekend. Actually, I'm not sure, um, but it, you can pre-order it for me now on my website. So if you go to whatthemagicmeans.com forward slash book, there's a place where you can order it, and you actually get a signed copy directly from me. Um, and
and the ebook is actually available for pre-order on Amazon right now. So you can go onto Amazon and search um, either my name or what the magic means, and you'll see the uh, the pre-order for the uh, ebook that's on there. And from within this website, you can also find links if you're curious about some of his coaching. Uh, you can find links to that on Working With Terry. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff on this website, and I really like that you have this animated water coming in here on this page, by the yeah, way. something. I, I built that website 100% myself, so it was just one of those things I was playing around. I'm like, oh, this looks kind of cool, and I left yeah. it there. So Yeah, it looks like you built it on Wix. I did, actually. Wix is one of those websites that prove that all the time that I spent going and try, actually trying to learn how to build websites and do it with all the C-sharp and stuff really wasn't necessary because now everybody can do it themselves really easy. I mean, I am not I'm not tech savvy by any means, and I was pretty happy with the way that that turned out. So, yep, It's a very nice website, and we'll make sure, of course, we link that in the show notes to make sure you go and order yourself a copy. And, heck, you know what? This makes a pretty good uh, Christmas present, although it probably won't arrive until around January 1st. But you can tell somebody that you ordered the book. Exactly. And, and it's going to be signed. A lot of people have done that. So Yeah. Free shipping, $17.95. So that's a pretty good little setup. And you even have a forward from Dan Cockerell, former vice president of Disney's Magic Kingdom. Yeah, uh, Lee Cockrell, his dad, obviously was one of the people that I interviewed in the book. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I had, I had finished the book, um, before Dan had left. And, you know, just through some conversations, I, I kind of asked Lee, I said, you know, I'm pretty much done. Um, but, you know, I'm still looking for somebody to, to write the forward. Do you think Dan would be interested? And he said, yeah, probably give him a shout. So, you know, I messaged him and he, he messaged me back almost immediately and, uh, you know, was, was really gracious. And and, you know, it's, it just it means a lot to me to have somebody like, well, I mean, both Lee and Dan, um, who have, you know, just incredible experience on the, uh, you know, behind the behind the curtain of uh, of bringing that magic and, and being part of, you know, the training, you know, for me being a coach. Um, I'm interested in, in, in their view of the training and, you know, and, and instilling those leadership values. And so just really great uh, relationships that I've been able to build. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely, I'm looking forward to getting myself a copy. I just don't, don't get a chance to read the whole thing because I've read through part of it now. Yeah. But, uh, it looks like we had um, a, kind of a preview copy, so I don't know if it's got everything that you've managed to put in there in the end. But I, I love collecting Disney books at this point. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll make sure you guys, uh, I'll make sure you guys get copies of it. So. Oh, awesome. Sounds great. Cause yeah, I, thank you. Yeah. I, I really, yeah, I appreciate that because I would put that back with my, my Jeff Barnes books and I still have the, uh, the Nabel book back there to read. And I even found an old classic wall biography that's missing a dust jacket that I want to read. I, I know. I'm building the library. <laughs> Something, I mean, uh, you know, I'll recommend it for sure. But um, Ron Schneider's book is called From Dreamer to Dreamfinder. Just a really great book. He's, he's, he's a great storyteller. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fairly long book. It's a pretty thick book, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I need to start getting a Jim Corcus collection too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, even, I don't even know where to start with that. The, the guy, he just writes books like every week, I think it feels like. So, yeah. <laughs> and I know he's got one about, he dispels a lot of the myths around Disney, and I'm really interested in that one. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and I know I know you mentioned that you have his email address. Email him. He is the nicest guy in the world. So gracious. Um, I, you know him and I have breakfast periodically, and you know uh, people always ask me about it, and and I laugh and I say, you know, 
sitting down and having breakfast with Jim Corcus is basically like a three hour tour of his mind because, <laughs> you know, he, he, every time he just amazes me with the things that he knows and his recollection, his recollection and his storytelling. It's just, he, he would be a fantastic guest. Oh, yeah. I, I really appreciate that. You, you mentioned, you know, he'll tell you something you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's his thing. Like he wants you him and I because him and I kind of talked about potentially doing, you know, like a, a vault of Walt podcast at some point. Oh, um, wow. but, you know, we, we both just have so much going on. But, you know, he, even he said that he's like, you know, what I think would be a cool segment is a, you know, Jim, tell me something I don't know, because that's <laughs> what he loves. Like he loves that question. <laughs> All right. I'm making a note of that. When we have him on, we're going to say, Jim, tell us something we don't know. Absolutely. You might get I mean, it might be a 30 minute answer. But you you will get something you don't know. Well, see, now we've talked about it enough. I better go ahead and email him, and we'll try to get him on at least in January. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a Must great guy. He'll do it in a heartbeat. And then we better track, track down Ron Schneider, I guess, too. So many people to talk to. Oh, goodness. So many people. Well, thank you so much, though, for coming on the show and sharing about this book, What the Magic Means. And I, I hope people do get it and go through and uh, use it like a workbook and start writing it out their story and uh, share it online. Share it with you. Heck, you've got your email address here on the website. I hope people start sharing their stories with you. I actually well, have you, at, at the very end of the book, I have a, an opportunity for them to contact me and share their story with me. So, um, you know, it's 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 a relatively it's a relatively short book. And that's done on purpose because I want it to be more of a uh, of a journal along with the stories, um, because, I, mm-hmm. you know, I want people to put their story together and share that out. That's you know, that's the gist of the book. You know, one of my passions and one of my I feel purposes is to carry on these stories and uh but you know being in in personal development and coaching is you know uh, your story matters you know that's that's what i talk to everybody about is your story matters so i hope that you know they they take that to heart and and they kind of put their story together in the journal sections definitely all right so his name once again is terry j wheeland jr the book is what the magic means and you can find it at what the magic and you can order the book by going slash book or look at the top and if you click what the magic means you'll actually get right to the book yep so, lots of ways to get to the book lots of ways to get to the book and you can even search for it on amazon and pre-order because this thing's you know it's gonna sell i'm pretty sure this looks awesome so it's gonna make sure that. you don't get it sold out before it's you get a chance to order the thing <laughs> So, all right, but once again, thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions 
and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello, everybody. This is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.